2: To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So it's
0: this link that Daniel is, is really drawing on between Belshazzar and his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, And Daniel is emphasizing this to Belshazzar in verse 18, when he says, Nebuchadnezzar, thy father. He calls him thy father, thy grandfather. He is making the strong statement to Belshazzar that Nebuchadnezzar represented to Belshazzar, light. Nebuchadnezzar was light to Belshazzar. The light of a person who had been converted from the darkness of Babylonian idolatry to the light of the only true God of Israel. And Daniel is now going to read an indictment. This chapter is an indictment against Belshazzar. And he's going to to arraign Belshazzar when he tells him what he already knew in verse 20. He said to him, When his heart was lifted up and his mind was hardened in pride, he was deposed of his kindling throne, and his glory was taken from him. Verse 22, verse 22, again, pressing on this point of his relation to him. And thou, his son, O Belshazzar, has not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. Though thou knewest all this. And he goes on and he explained it to him that he lifted up, Belshazzar lifted up himself against the God of heaven and brought in these stolen vessels from God. But he says, he says to him, I want you to know one thing at the end of verse 23. I want you to know one thing. I want you to think about one thing. We should think about this also today. And that is, God in whose hand thy breath is. God in whose hand thy breath is. The worst thing that he ever said, that Daniel ever said to Belshazzar was, Thou his son, verse 22. Thou his son, O Belshazzar. You have not humbled thine heart, though thou knewest all this. And he's telling him that that you had light. And he's driving the point that, though thou knewest all this, you knew this. Everything I'm telling you right now, Daniel was saying to Belshazzar, you know this. You already know this. And this shows us, because the judgment is coming, this shows us that a person is responsible for what they know. The Lord Jesus said, when he's talking to the people in John 15, John 15, If I had not come and spoken unto them they had not sinned. He was speaking of his coming. He was speaking of how he had spoken to them. And he said, if he hadn't come, if he hadn't come, if he hadn't spoken, they had not sinned. He's not referring to original sin. No, of course not. He's referring to the sin. If I had not come and spoken to you, you would not have had the sin. There is one sin that Belshazzar was guilty of. He knew all this. With Nebuchadnezzar. There is one sin that overrides all other sins, and that is the one sin that will send a person into hell to suffer for eternity. That is the unforgivable sin. And the unforgivable sin is the sin of rejecting, rejecting the Savior who calls out to man with the gospel, the gospel invitation in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. That's the sin of refusing to come to the Lord Jesus. The invitation of Isaiah forty five twenty two. Isaiah forty five twenty two. Look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the earth. For I am God. There's none else. That's the singular sin. The sin of refusing to look to the Lamb of God and be saved from sins. Proverbs one twenty three. Proverbs one twenty three. Turn ye at my reproof. I will pour out my spirit unto you. I will make known my words unto you. That's the one singular sin. That's the worst sin that a person can commit. It's the sin of refusing to turn. This is what the Lord Jesus was referring to when he said, if I had not come and spoken unto him, they had not sinned. They had not the sin. The sin of rejection. The sin of refusing to come. The sin of refusing to look. The sin of refusing to turn to the Lord Jesus. And because he said... In his invitations God has put out the invitation come look turn and they refuse that's the worst sin and the person who is making these invitations to come to look to turn that's the Lord Jesus it is the spirit of the Lord Jesus the holy spirit called the comforter in John 16:7 John 16:7 he says I tell you the truth it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go not away the comfort will not come to you but if I depart I'll send him unto you And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Sin, because they believe not on me. Righteousness, because I go to my Father, you see me no more. Judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit is the one who is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, judgment, so that the world can be saved. The Holy Spirit is inviting, he is the one who is inviting to come, look, turn. And when a person refuses that invitation and rejects that invitation to come, look, turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're sinning against the Holy Spirit. That's the unforgivable sin. That's the sin for which there's no remedy. And the problem for Belshazzar is that he knew all this and he didn't turn to the true God that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar did. For Belshazzar... His grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, was light. Just as the Lord Jesus is the ultimate light. And just as rejecting the light, refusing to come, turn, and be saved from the light, is what he talked about in John 3.19. John 3.19, this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Light is come into Babylon in the form of Nebuchadnezzar, who repented and made his proclamations. But men loved darkness rather than light. Belshazzar loved darkness rather than light. He loved idolatry rather than light. And because their deeds are evil, because the proof was that he called for the vessels of God to be brought in and wine put in and and so forth. Everyone that doeth evil hateth the light. It's not simply a case of Belshazzar just not caring about the proclamation of the grandfather, that God of Israel, the Jehovah Jesus, that Jehovah Jesus was the most high God that towered over everything. Belshazzar hated the God of Israel. Belshazzar had Nebuchadnezzar in his family. That was his light that shined the way to God for him. Reminds me of a Japanese friend of mine in Yokohama and how he resisted the gospel And he kept telling me, Christianity is a Western religion, we are Japanese. But later, I learned that in his family, he had an uncle who became a Christian. He had an uncle who became a believer in the Lord Jesus. Just as Nebuchadnezzar was a light in Belshazzar's family, my Japanese friend had his uncle that was a light in his family. And for Belshazzar to come and and look and turn to God, He would have had to turn his back on his sin, turn his back on the idolatry. But he wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to do that. He wasn't willing to hate his sin and love the only true God. He wasn't willing to humble himself. For him, that price was too high for him to pay. He just wasn't willing. And we wonder why people today don't come to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's very simple as it says. It's because they love sin. They love sin. They want to keep it a secret. They want to have it exposed. Now, we don't know very much about judgment in hell, and that's a good thing. We, we shouldn't. But one thing we do know is what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty three. 23. Matthew eleven twenty three, 23, when the Lord Jesus said about Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, you'll be brought down to hell. The mighty works had been done in you that had been done in Sodom, Sodom would have remained unto this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. We think of Sodom with its sexual perversion sins, and we think, oh, they're going to have the worst judgment of all, but the Lord Jesus says, no. No, Capernaum is going to have a worse judgment than Sodom. Why? Capernaum never did the kinds of sins that that Sodom was guilty of. Why should the judgment be easier on Sodom than on Capernaum? And the Lord said it was because the mighty works which were done in Capernaum if they had been done in Sodom, they, they would have repented. It was because Capernaum had more light than Sodom. It was because the Capernaum was more guilty than Sodom of refusing and rejecting the light. And that's going to make their judgment worse. That shows there are different levels of judgment. There are different levels of suffering in hell. We don't know. We don't need to know. But the different levels are determined by how much a person rejects of the light. That's what it shows us. The, the worst person, the worst person that I would never want to be in the shoes of is the person who has been exposed to the most light. Maybe he's read the Bible, maybe he's attended a good church, maybe he grew up in a Christian home and he's rejected it all. That's the worst judgment for a person to fall into is to have been in a Bible-believing church, to be in a Bible-preaching church, to be the most close to God, and then to turn away. That's why when a believer comes into a person's life, and the believer begins to make known the gospel invitation and teach about the Lord Jesus Christ, immediately that person is either good news to the lost around him, or he's bad news to the lost around him. This is what he means when it says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, 2 Corinthians 2.14, Thanks be unto God, which always causeth us to triumph in Christ, and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor of death unto death, and the other the savor of life unto life. If the believer is doing his job, if the believer is talking about the Lord Jesus, doing his job, then God makes him, 2 Corinthians 2.14, 2 Corinthians 2.14, he makes the manifest, the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. If the child's speaking about God, child of God speaking about God, then we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. Because the believer is a spokesman for God. And two cents... Well, it's really one scent that comes, but it sends two messages to two groups of people. To the saved, a believer who speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, sweet smell. Smells like life. To the lost, a believer who speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ, that's not a sweet smell. That's a foul smell to me. It speaks of death. And this image of the same savor, meaning two opposite um, destinies of either life or death, is taken from a Roman custom. In Rome, when a Roman general fought a really hard, long battle, and he returned to Rome, there was a parade through the city. And the general would be in front, and he would be leading behind him his army, his chariots. And chained to the chariots would be two classes of prisoners. Prisoners would be separated into two groups. At the end of the parade, there would be the one group of prisoners that would become slaves in Rome and would live. And at the end of the parade, they would live. And also, there was another group that at the end of the parade, those prisoners would be executed. They would be killed. And when the parade would first start at Rome, and as it began there, a group of priests would come out to lead the parade. And they would march in front of the parade. And they would be carrying these incense incense pots. As they would go in front of the parade, they would be waving these pots back and forth and back and forth and as they did that the air would fill with the smell of incense and the prisoners knew when they smelt that incense when the prisoners who were destined to be slave when they smelled the incense they knew they would live and not be executed but when the prisoners who were destined to be executed would smell the incense they knew that it wasn't going to be very long before they would be killed so the same smell the same incense sent two separate messages to the prisoners. To the slave group, it sent the message can I live, can I live? Soon I'm gonna be detached from this chariot I'm chained to, and I'll live. But to the condemned group of prisoners, that smell of that same incense was a savor of death unto the death. I'm gonna die. Soon I'm gonna die. And so 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 16, 2 Corinthians two fourteen through 16 says that a believer speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ symbolically emanates a smell that to the lost brings the message of a coming sentence of eternal death in hell, separated from God. But to the saved, that same symbolic smell of the incense brings the message of coming life to be in heaven with God. This is Daniel in Babylon. Daniel, to the saved, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to the others, Daniel was a saver of life unto life, confirming that heaven was just around the corner after life. But to Belshazzar, Daniel represented a saver of death unto death. And that sentence of death unto death was written on the wall. It was written on the wall. And Belshazzar didn't know what it meant, but he feared the worst. And the natural feeling that Belshazzar has is, Why? Why me? What have I done wrong? Which is the response of everyone who's cast into hell. There's this surprise about it all from Matthew 7.22. The surprise, Matthew 7.22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That's a surprised group of people who say, Lord, Lord. And as Daniel explains to Belshazzar what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, he's telling telling Belshazzar in verse 20, when Nebuchadnezzar's heart was lifted up and his mind was hardened in pride, he was deposed. And we saw Nebuchadnezzar when he was like that in in chapter 4, verse 30, Daniel 4.30, when Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house? of the kingdom by the might of my power for the honor of my majesty. The issue was, with Nebuchadnezzar, a heart lifted up and a mind hardened in pride. Why is the mind of the evolutionist so unable to see the obvious that it was not a case of nothing exploding and causing the perfect universe? Why can't the mind of the evolution say that it's... Stupid to believe that nothing exploded into a perfect universe. Why can't the mind of the evolutionist see that non-living chemicals didn't just fall together and they couldn't have fallen together to create a living cell? Why can't the mind of the evolutionist see that the living cell just can't fall together to make a man? What's wrong with the mind of the evolutionist to believe that? And the explanation is? The explanation is here. A heart lifted up and a mind hardened in pride. The problem is not a hardening of the arteries. It's a problem of the hardening of the mind in pride. The hardening of the mind in pride happens when a person does not depend on God, does not, does not turn to God, does not come to God, does not look to God. When a person feels, I have all the resources in myself, I don't need anything more. And this is the history that happened with Nebuchadnezzar, but he was saved out of it. A wonderful thing for us to contemplate and to realize this morning before we take the Lord's table, before we take the elements from the Lord's table, is to realize that if a man like Nebuchadnezzar could come out of that mind-hardened position and that heart to turn away from God and come to the Lord, that that is a wonderful thing. This table should represent to us not just a closed assembly, God forbid, but an open assembly where the where the table is like giving an invitation for every lost person come look turn there's mercy and grace for you and this is what Daniel told Belshazzar Belshazzar your problem is verse 22 verse 22 thou his son O Belshazzar has not humbled thine heart though thou knewest all this you failed He's saying you failed in life. Pride is a horrible, horrible thing because pride is a personal offense against God. Verse 23, verse 23, Lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven. And then he tells them, he said, Belshazzar, please just realize, verse 23, the end of verse 23, God in whose hand thy breath is. He's saying it's a very humbling thing to, to think that the hand of God holds our breath. I mean, how much frailer could we be than to have our next breath in the hand of God? Just think, as I'm talking, as you're listening, the breaths of air, you take breaths of air, I take breaths, we don't even think about it. We just take a breath of air. But God does, and each one comes from his hand. And that's what he's telling him. He's saying, he's saying, uh, Belshazzar, there was a choice. There was a choice, and you made the wrong choice. And so, therefore, this message appears on the wall. The message appears on the wall. He says, many, many, it's an Aramaic word, means numbered, numbered. He didn't know it. He didn't speak Aramaic. He needed somebody to come and translate this. Tell me what it says. Now, I can't even read it. So Daniel comes and he says, it means numbered, king. It means numbered, numbered, many, many. We say it today. We say several things from this chapter. We say the handwriting's on the wall. We say his days are numbered. He says, and the next word is tekel. Tekel is a Chaldean word. It means wade, wade. And then Uparson. Uparson is also a Chaldean word. It means split up. Split up. Literally, numbered, numbered, wade, split up. And that's what happened that night as the Medes and the Persians entered into Babylon. Through the gate that let the river Euphrates come into the city of Babylon. Because the Belshazzar had no idea that the engineers in, along the Medes and the Persians had already devised and the workers had already dug the re-channeling of the river Euphrates. And at that night, they broke the dam down and the river Euphrates made a change in its course and didn't flow in anymore to the city of Babylon, but left an empty riverbed that the Medes and the Persians went in to and took the city and killed Belshazzar. And Belshazzar went to bed that night. He didn't know he was going to die. He was troubled, but you know the wonderful thing about it? God didn't have to put the writing on the wall. God didn't have to warn Belshazzar. God didn't have to do that. He just could have said it's over, but he gave him hours. He gave him hours to think. He gave him hours to do what Nebuchadnezzar said he did. Come to himself. Come to himself and realize I have sinned against a holy God. There is mercy with God. We hope he did. We don't know. It's not for us to know. and But the wonderful thing is, is that whoever, whosoever will, let him come. When we come to this table this morning. We should also realize this is a table that has the message of whosoever will, let him come. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being a God of mercy. Great mercy. Thank you so much for being a God of invitation. Great invitation. Thank you so much for being a God who gave his son to die for us, to give his body to be broken for us, to give his blood to be shed for us. Help us, Lord, to enter into this truth as we come now to your table, in Jesus' name, amen.
2: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org that's friendshipwithgod.org you can also go online to find free resources from tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org you can also find tom Cantor on facebook and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional tom Cantor is also the founder of israel restoration ministries you can visit that website at IsraelRestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071, or email Tom Cantor at Cantor at FriendshipWithGod.org.